to my thoughts. I'm Hunter, and for today's episode, I will be talking about endangered species. And so to start off this episode, I'm going to talk about biodiversity. And this has always come up in all the biology classes I've taken so far. And biodiversity is really the amount or variety of different species in an ecosystem. And biodiversity has a big role in the ecosystem because the more biodiversity you have, the less of an impact that a natural cause or natural disaster will have on that ecosystem. And so when you have a lot of biodiversity, you have a lot of different species that have a lot of different roles. And those roles are very important to the ecosystem. But if one species dies off, then you have a lot more that might be able to take the place of that role. And so if something happens to the ecosystem, it will have a lot smaller of an impact. But if you have less variety or a smaller amount of biodiversity, then it will have a big impact on the ecosystem. And so I'm tying that to endangered species because from what I understand, from what I think, like my opinion is, that the more endangered species and the more extinction, the more species that go extinct brings down the biodiversity. So the biodiversity goes down, which will make the impacts on the environment stronger and stronger every time to the point where um, the there will be so few species living in the ecosystem that they'll just be completely wiped out. And so that's what I've just been thinking about endangered species is that without biodiversity and with the more amount of endangered species there are, that means there's gonna have a lot more impacts on the world and where they live and stuff. And so there are 16,306 endangered species in the world and that will include plants and animals and that's a lot because when I thought about um how before I started uh thinking about this I researched uh a bunch of stuff and I just thought there might be like oh 2,000 or something but it turns out in the world there are 16,306 endangered species including plants and animals and I also don't even normally think about plants when I think about endangered species it's always about oh there's um an animal that's endangered or threatened and it might go extinct sometime but I never really tend to think about the actual um plants in there because I forgot that plants could also have a big role because they're the producers of a food web or a food ecosystem. And so um, if those get endangered or become extinct, then there might be less food options for the herbivores. And then that means there'll be less food for the carnivores. And then even if um, a predator, a top predator ecosystem, dies off or becomes endangered or extinct and there's less of them that means the prey that they eat will grow in a population and it will grow so much that they could even eat more than the amount of plants they have and so if you take off the top one too the top 
um, predator in a food chain or food web, it also affects the, all the other ones because then the um, animals they eat that could be herbivores, they eat the plants, will eat more plants because their population is growing and then there will be no plants and then because they ate so much and ate them all and then those animals will die off too and so like one little effect or one little thing in a um, ecosystem or food web or whatever you want to call it one endangered species or something could have like a really big impact on the world and so it turns out there are 1,540 endangered species in the United States alone. And that's how much I thought would be in the world, pretty much, when I first started looking into this. And so, that's uh, a lot, and it seems kind of sad to me that there are that many just in the United States, because I didn't even think that there could be that many species in the United States. You just think about, okay, tree, bear, wolf, deer, or something like that, but then you don't think about there's multiple types of bears, there's multiple types of deer, there's multiple types of trees, and some might not necessarily do better than any others. There could be ones that are suffering more or suffering less than the others. And so, like, that's what I think about when I think about endangered species is that uh, there could be more that we need that we're looking at. A lot could be insects or it could be bugs and that could also have a large impact on things and so now i'm just going to go to uh, a website i found that has a large list of endangered species and um it's called the animal welfare institute but i'll leave a link in the description for this website and so it has mammals birds reptiles amphibians fish and other and so when you click on um, one of the little things, it brings up uh, the list. And just to scroll through just the, um, the mammal list takes a long time. It's like 10 or so scrolls. And so I'm just gonna read some. They have antelope, they have bats, uh, bears. There's a lot of, quite a few bears that I didn't think would be on here that are endangered threat, like brown bears, endangered, the grizzly bears threatened. There's a lot of cats, different kind of cats, like a tiger, there's a chimpanzee, cheetah, um, chinchilla, there's quite a few deer, there's um, some dolphin, there's elephant, ferrets, there's a, quite a few a gazelle that are endangered, gorilla, yeah, there's quite a few of these on here. There's like kangaroo rats and stuff like that. Lemurs even, that I didn't even think would be in danger or endangered. A lot of monkeys, um, mouse, otters are endangered. Um, possum, prairie dog, pronghorn. Yeah, there's just a lot, even seals and stuff like that. There's a lot of these endangered animals out there on these lists. and. I think it really helps to go out there and see which ones are in danger because they might even live where you live or stuff. And so once you realize what's endangered and if it's in an area you live in, you could figure out how you are able to go and help support these animals that are endangered. And so that was just the mammals. And the birds, there's a lot of birds that I don't even know. There's cranes, condor, a few ducks, quite a few eagles, 
falcons, um, some finch. Uh, there's a hummingbird on here. I didn't think any hummingbirds would be in danger, but there are. Yeah, and there's just a lot. There's mockingbirds, owls, quite a few owls, parakeets, parrots. I didn't think parrots would be on here, but now that I've seen that, it does kind of make sense because of probably the deforestation happening where they tend to live, which is also kind of sad because these are really cool looking animals that um, from arning for lumber could be getting hurt. There's some penguins. It says there's a Galapagos penguin. I don't even know those. I'm, I'm guessing that means they live in the Galapagos Islands, but I didn't think they would live there. That's pretty cool to learn. And so you just learn a lot when you go on these websites. And so uh, there's also reptiles and it says the American alligator is threatened, which I didn't even know they're threatened. There's a Chinese alligator that's endangered. A couple of caiman are endangered and boas. Um, quite a few crocodiles are endangered. I didn't think crocodiles really could be endangered because they're so like big and strong, but I guess there is a real way they could be. And then some iguana, just lizards, monitor, rattlesnake, and then we get to sea turtles, and there's a lot of sea turtles, which is really sad because those are so such cool creatures, and a lot of them uh, looks like our green sea turtles that are just um, native to different parts of the Pacific Ocean, Indian Ocean, maybe some in the Atlantic Ocean and stuff, and then there's also skiing snakes, tortoises. And the desert tortoise is on here, which says it's threatened, and that's also kind of sad because um, I like those tortoises are so cool, and they live in an area where um, like I've been to, and I haven't even seen one in the wild, which is kind of scary about how few there could be left. But there are ways you can adopt these tortoises if you live in a place where the organizations that can um, help people adopt them can build a habitat and stuff for them. And so that's really cool. And But I'd wish that these sources could come back and um, there's a lot of like laws about them, like you can't touch them in the wild. And someone was telling me about something where, or it was one of my teachers in school where these people were trying to build solar panels in like Nevada or something and they had to spend a lot of money to carefully remove these tortoises and put them in a different habitat. And that's a lot for just a tortoise, but if they're that endangered, then I feel like it could be worth it. And they also don't want to get fined for all that. And then there's a lot of turtles on here. That's also kind of sad because I really like turtles and they're super fun to um, handle, I guess, or like look at. There's a lot of amphibians on here and a lot of salamanders, toads, a lot of fish, catfish, and a bunch of fish I don't really know on here. And so there's some salmon. And salmon are really cool fish and it's kind of sad to see that they're threatened and endangered. And uh, looking at this really kind of brings awareness to um, a lot of animals that we had no idea were even alive, I guess. And there's some sharks on here, some sturgeon. Sturgeon are really cool. It's kind of sad to see they're endangered and threatened. And then when I get to the other section, it has clams, snails, insects, arachnids, crustaceans, and corals. And so going through the clams, 
there's not really any I would know on here, I don't think, but it really shows how many are in nature, and there's a lot, there's a lot of them on there. And for snails, I didn't even think snails could be endangered, but I guess there are quite a few that are endangered. Probably, I don't know, I don't want to count them all, but there could be like a hundred on this list or something. And then there's insects, you got bees. Uh, it has the yellow face be quite a few times, but it looks like they're, they have different scientific names, so they must be different types or species of that. There's a bunch of beetles on here and butterflies some other things like just regular flies and stuff and there's arachnids there's spiders um a lot of other ones i don't even know and crustaceans it has uh crayfish different types of shrimp isopods and other ones that i didn't even know about and then the last one is coral and coral is really sad to see um threatened and endangered because Coral not only provides a lot for the wildlife that live in oceans next to those coral reefs and stuff, but it provides a lot for humans. Uh, I believe it was in one of my uh, AP Human Geography class when we talked uh, about um, building our own country, and something my teacher brought up was that coral provides a, a barrier around the island which uh, provides uh, shelter for the fish so they can live in there without the giant waves or having to be on the open ocean. And then it also makes the water less rough inside those reefs because the uh, waves crash against them and it kind of prevents the big waves from coming in. And that's pretty cool, but then if those corals die and stuff, then the fish that live inside there won't be able to really survive because they won't have the shelter and stuff. And the humans depend on that fish. And so if they have to go swim out in the open ocean, then there's not a lot for the people on the island to eat or hunt and stuff. And that's also kind of sad. But then one cool thing about um, coral reefs is that in another one of my science classes, uh, our teacher talked about artificial reefs which is where governments will take these old ships they have, like maybe an old battleship or an old, I don't know, tanker or something, and they'll um, clean it out really nicely so that there's no oil or chemicals that could harden the environment. And then they'll just sink it in the ocean, and then it will become an artificial reef that will provide shelter for these fish in places that um, other coral reefs have been dying or disappearing. And so that's a cool way to have conservation for these um, awesome animals that need to live in these, uh, what's it called, coral reefs. But then, since they've been disappearing, humans have been able to find them, being creative in ways to bring them um, new artificial coral reefs. And so, now I'm just gonna go back to my thing and uh, I'm just gonna talk about rhinos and elephants and so there are multiple reasons animals could become endangered and for these ones it's really just kind of poaching and uh, poaching for the ivory of their horns and tusks and so um, elephants of course like I just said their horns and tusks are made out of um, ivory and that ivory can go for a lot of money and people will carve it into intricate shapes and stuff and they can sell it for a lot. And so poachers could um, make a lot of money get hunting these, but the problem is that they've hunted them so much 
that they're like really endangered and threatened and some I believe the rhinos might have already gone extinct and so what um, humans have done is they've been really creative in ways to help stop these um, poachers from getting the animals and one cool thing I saw was uh, a couple of years ago when I was in one of my history classes my teacher used to play something called uh, CNN Student News, which I believe is now called um, CNN 10 or something. It might be like that, but it's more towards youth and students and stuff. And on it, uh, it showed clips of um, elephants that had their tusks um, dyed pink, actually. And so they were dyed pink so that the poachers who would want to hunt these elephants would hopefully pass by this animal because the pink the pink ivory wouldn't be worth anything to them because of course it's dyed pink and the people don't want that because like it's not natural pink they had to dye it pink so that the poachers wouldn't want to hunt these animals and so i feel like that's a really awesome and creative idea that i never thought about that you could dye um, a tusk pink to make sure that the poachers don't want to hunt this animal because, of course, um, it wouldn't get any money for them out of it. They, they want the money from it. They'll just hunt the animal and saw the ivory off and then just leave it. And so when you dye it pink, they're just losing money kind of trying to hunt it because they won't be able to sell the pink ivory pretty much. And then also, I believe it might have been in the same um, uh, video of that CNN or student news was there was a like government I think in Africa that was burning ivory like tons and tons of ivory to um, prove that the conservation of these animals was worth more than the amount of money these this ivory was worth and like by tons I mean like the little the literal weight of tons like 2,000 pounds like a a lot of 2,000 pounds, I don't know exactly what it was, but there was a lot they were burning. And uh, I really felt like, wow, that has a strong impact because that's a lot of ivory and it had to be a lot of animals that had to be harvested from and they're just burning it. And I feel like that proves how much the conservation of these animals means. And I really liked that. And so another cool thing is some of them actually have like Guards. I think some might have 24-7 um, guards to protect them from poachers. And my opinion on this is that uh, it's a good thing that if they have guards, then the poachers might be scared to try because there's people here with weapons that could also fight back to protect these amazing animals that are trying to thrive in a world that they just keep getting knocked down from and that's kind of why I think that those guards are really awesome and have a really cool impact on the environment. So the next um, the next animal I'm going to talk about is the polar bear and so the reason the polar bear is endangered or threatened is really because of global warming and the earth warming up. And so what happens is when um, the earth warms up, then the natural habitat of the animals, which is the sea ice in the Arctic, 
melts and their home is literally melting away and it's also causing a lot of other issues which I'll get into in a second but um, I'm on the National Geographic website and it's just like um, it's just gonna talk about facts about these animals and so um, uh, I knew they were really good swimmers him but uh, it says that they have webbed feet and I thought that was really cool because I didn't know that they would have webbed feet and that really would help them be able to swim a lot and it says that um, some have been swimming hundreds of miles from land and that they cover most of that distance by floating on ice sheets but when they have to actually swim long distances they'll be able to but actually some polar bears have been drowning because the distances get greater and greater and there's less little ices to rest on and so that's also a sad thing that's happening to them and so other facts about it is um it says they have fur that grows on the bottom of their paws which protects from the cold surfaces of like ice and it even provides a good grip and I didn't know that I thought it was just the pads but apparently on the palms of their hand or the paws they have actually um little hairs that will help them grip and that's a really cool thing that they had to adapt to do that and then the white coat on the outside um is the camouflage for the animal because they hunt seals and the way they hunt the seals is by waiting at these little air holes that the seals come up to breathe at. And so since their fur is white, they'll be able to camouflage with the snow and the seal will think that this hole is safe, but then it'll actually have, might have a polar bear to bring it on and eat it. But then they all instead, so they have a white fur, but their skin is actually black and that helps them warm up in the really cold weather and they'll be able to absorb the energy of the sun to stay warm and so I already told I already said that they will um, like wait for hours and hours or maybe days to hunt a seal in this little air hole but it also says on the National Geographic website that they will eat um, dead whale carcasses that they find and so the ability to also be kind of a scavenger like that also would help them survive in their area um, there's another website I'm going to that's also National Geographic, but it says it's News National Geographic, and it's going to talk about the bears um, and the melting sea ice. And all of these websites will hopefully be able to go in the description of this video or this episode. And so um, it's talking about um, a video of a polar bear that's really thin and stuff. But then over here it says it, um, that they need to eat 60% more than anyone had realized. And apparently they burn 12,325 calories every single day. And it also says that they burn that much even, even though some, most of the time they're just sitting around. And that's a lot of calories because the average human is supposed to consume, I think, about 2,000 calories a day. And so these animals burn six times the amount we're supposed to consume. And so that's just a lot. So these animals need to eat quite a bit. And if the ice melts, 
That means there's less air holes for the seals to come up and breathe, and that means there's less opportunities for the polar bears to go in there, attack a seal, and bring it on land and actually be able to eat. And so when they're they're not gonna get enough calories, then they're actually gonna have to they're gonna be losing weight and all that stuff, and then they'll eventually could just starve to death or possibly drown to death because they're too weak and stuff. And so that's kind of sad that the the environments, their home is melting to the point where it could be hard for them to catch a meal because when you have less ice, and like I said, there's less air holes, there's less seals having to come up actually on the ice. They can just probably breathe in the open water. And so if a polar bear sees a seal, in water that's not surrounded by ice or anything like that and there's not on the ice the seals will be able to swim faster than them in water so the polar bears can't really catch the food in the water and that's kind of another reason that the melting ice um, affects how they do it and stuff and then here's what I really want to talk about it says um, with like the heating up of the Arctic, the sea ice is shrinking 14% per decade. And that's a lot of ice melting away and not freezing back. And it says um, about 770,000 770, square miles less sea ice than in 1981 to 2010 median. That's a lot of ice gone. It says that it um, on the website it says that that's an area larger than Alaska and California combined, and that's a lot of their home being taken, being um, melted away, and so these animals have less of an area to actually hunt and live, and it will cause them to eventually possibly drown or die unless conservation efforts and stuff have to help them. And so that's pretty much what I had for this animal, but I'm trying to see if there's anything else on this website I wanted to talk about. Um, no, I can't think. There's probably some other stuff, but I don't know what else to say except that there's a little part that says they're not built for walking, and so when they have, um, Sorry, when they have um, less food and they have to cover a longer distance, then they like will lose weight really quickly. But they can also easily gain weight if they're able to catch enough seals. But since there's less opportunities to hunt for seals because of the melting ice, then they'll of course lose more um, weight than gain weight. And then the last animal I was going to talk about is sea turtles. And so on this website, which is um, www.seaturtles.org, but it's like S-E-E turtles, um, it talks about why they're threatened and stuff and statuses and all this kind of stuff. And so it has... Uh, I believe seven reasons they could be threatened or endangered and the first one would be getting tangled in fishing gear and so if people are fishing with these giant nets out to the side then 
there's a big chance that animals should get caught in these and there's a large chance that they will die in those nets or if a fisherman loses a net or it gets stuck somewhere and they eventually cut it off those could trap animals which would get stuck there wouldn't be able to hunt and would die and so then the next um, cause is the consumption and like legal trade of the eggs meat and shells and so um i don't really know well i know that there is poaching of their eggs and that there's ways people can help with that but I never really thought about their meat as being something and their shells as being something. But apparently people will eat this kind of stuff. And so you can click on this and it shows a bunch of stuff. A bunch of um, videos you could watch about it or opportunities you could have to save turtles or baby turtles. And then another one is development on coastal regions. And so when you have development, you have things like debris and trash and all this other stuff that could be going in the ocean. You have a lot of tourism there that could harm the environment and stuff and bring the population of these turtles down. And then so the fourth one is um, debris and plastic. And so when you have that in there, it could just be um, it called it could be um, actually catching the turtle maybe or they do sometimes eat plastic grocery bags because they look like jellyfish and I'll talk more about that in a little bit and then another one's global warming it could be getting a little too hot maybe for them and then there's also ocean pollution and the trade of turtle shells and so going into the plastic and marine debris um, this website says hundreds of thousands of sea turtles, whales, and other marine animals, and more than one million seabirds die each year from ocean pollution and ingestion of entanglement in marine debris. And so, like, that's a lot of debris. I mean, that's not that's a lot of animals dying from all this plastic, and that's each year. So as that continues, and more and more stuff gets dumped into the ocean then they'll just keep dying. And um, I'm not finding it on here, but I remember the last time I looked at this website, it said some, oh, here it is, it says, so it says, did you know sea turtles and other marine creatures mistake plastics and other garbage as food like jellyfish? Because if you see a plastic bag floating, it actually looks quite a bit like a jellyfish and they eat it. And so, this causes blockages in their digestive system and eventually it could lead to death. And so that's kind of really sad that all these grocery bags that we don't think about could end up in the oceans killing really cool sea turtles that you might go on vacation and see. But then we could actually be killing them indirectly and not being able to see them when we go because of this. And there's other stuff about um, plastic bags on here. And if you want to look at this, there's a lot of cool facts and stuff about sea turtles and what could be happening to them. So I'm also looking at the pollution part and it says um, they're vulnerable at all stages of their life to pollution. 
and so things like toxic metals and oil, petroleum products like oil products and uh, agricultural runoff and stuff like fertilizer chemicals, nutrients and untreated waste can cause harm to the sea turtles through contact or build up in tissues over time. And it's kind of sad that these things we don't think about are causing these really cool animals to become hurt or eventually like die of these things. So um, just trying to spread awareness or saying what we could do to help with these animals or other animals that could be endangered. And so the first thing people could do is just help donate. And there's a lot of websites online you could go to to just donate to conservation efforts and stuff to help these endangered species. But then, like I said, there's probably areas where you live that have endangered species where you can join or help an organization that helps go out there and actually do stuff to help them um, grow and thrive and hopefully get off the endangered species list or endangered threatened species list. But then the final thing I was going to talk about was invasive species. And so invasive species um, could come into an environment that they're not native to and compete with other animals for products. No, not for products, for food. And so when an animal comes in here that's not native and starts eating the food from other the other uh, native species eat, then the native species start to die and disappear. And that really affects the ecosystem because these invasive species, not they, ne they don't necessarily do the same role that these other ones provide for it. And things like the tegu in Florida could come in and they eat eggs. And so if they eat the eggs of the American crocodile or the American alligator, then they, their populations go way down and they will tend to die or they will have less population and I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but they'll eat the eggs and the population will go way down. And that just has an effect on the overall environment and stuff. And then there's a lot of invasive fish in a lot of places that could take up space or take up resources that could really affect the way we do things or the way we try to interact with um, the environment and stuff. And so that's what I had right now. And so I was just hoping to raise awareness and show what we could try to do to help preserve and um, help conservation efforts to help these endangered species. And so I'll leave the websites down below if you want to come look at them maybe or see cool um, websites about these animals and what we might be able to do to help them. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.